Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Patrick. Welcome to Cave to the Cross Apologetics. We are working our way through Scott Christensen's book, What About Evil? What about it? (laughs) We haven't been talking about this at all. (laughs) And uh, we're up to, I believe this is chapter five, and he is looking at uh, the the most, uh, one of the most powerful defenses of the problem of evil, which is the free will defense. And he doesn't think this free will defense works very well, right? And so he's given us nine problems that he's found with the free will defense. Now, obviously, you know, he's going to come up with his own solutions uh, to these various issues. But he points out these various nine problems. We had worked our way to um, the issue of... um, you know, uh, libertarian free will with regard to God's foreknowledge, right? And he's suggesting that it kind of eliminates God's foreknowledge or at least has trouble with God's foreknowledge. And he gives us several uh, positions Mm -hmm. that the libertarian free will folks have uh, in order to deal with the divine foreknowledge, and he finds that each one of them seems to be a problem. Right. right? Arminianism, uh, which is a big camp, Open theism, which, thank goodness, is a small camp, but seems to be a consistent version of Arminianism. And then there's this middle knowledge uh, advocates uh, of um, Molinism. So those are kind of the three that we looked at with Molinism kind of uh, being what we started to conclude on. Right, and he says this Molinism tries to preserve the robust character of God revealed in the uh, pages of Scripture, but ends up, he suggests, maligning. God, right? Uh, it leads to the same problem of the simple foreknowledge view the, that the open theist has, uh, which is a failure to preserve God's acidity, uh-huh. that is his self-existence, independence, self-sufficiency, timelessness, authority, freedom, and that sort of thing, right? It, it makes God either up dependent on the creation, yeah. right? Yeah. So it eviscerates the creator-creature distinction. It strips God ultimately of his um, Christensen tells us his godness, right? Seems to be big characteristics yeah. that, that, that we uh, depend on. We we want God to have uh, the you know the, there doesn't seem to be a reason to really constrain Himself other than the fact that our libertarian free will is just so important that it needs the, this type of of rescuing device and. Um, constraint on on God on on his his knowledge his character right. that that we we would maybe um, understand it within the confines of the incarnation but not so much in the whole nature and character of God especially uh, before anything existed because uh, you know there there's uh, uh, you know we were all created ex nihilo without anything. And so before that there was just God in Trinitarian form. And so this seems to do kind of a number on it that um, makes it seem strange, but it's one of those uh, rescuing devices that we have for um, explaining why we have libertarian freedom. Right. Right. In other words, so the, the position here says that there's this middle knowledge of what we would do in various situations. God wants certain things to happen. So he looks down the quarters of time. We might say sees, you know, all of these various permutations of our choices and what we would have in each do in each situation. And then chooses the one that he wants uh, the outcome to be. 
And so it's almost as if he's dependent on our choices, right? And of course, we don't want that. And that's the, you know, God not ha- having his own, you know, self-reliance, yeah, right? Society he's there, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's the problem here that Christensen is pointing out, right? right. All right. And so uh, turning to our, our kind of last issue here with the libertarian freedom, uh, libertarian free will allows gratuitous evil oh no yeah gratuitous evil right so is that kind of like leaving a tip yeah it's it's uh it's the really big evils Uh, it's just oh so gratuitous yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's the evil that yeah yeah, yeah, it's 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 the christians that go on sunday to out to eat and they leave that thousand dollar bill track and that's it nothing else (laughs) that's the gratuity (laughs) no it's a little bit different than that so libertarian free will has trouble explaining so-called gratuitous evil Various evils that appear to be pointless, having no uh, necessary connection to greater goods. Right. So here, the gratuitous evil then is something that happens that uh, is just uh, pointless. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no point to it. There's no purpose to it. It's just evil, and it just happens. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we have this free will. Yeah. Right? So it kind of both sides of the camp could say like, okay, he, here you have, um, um, uh, for example, like uh, Pearl Harbor happening. Oh, this is really bad evil. But it gets kind of the Americans into World War II, which, you know, depending on where you're at and, and history and the, and, and the, the historical studies, uh, seems to be a, a positive good thing for, you know, the, the world in which we live in now. And so we can kind of say, like, okay, uh, this evil, which was really bad, it ultimately led to a really good thing getting America in, into the war. But there seems to be other things that happen, like, the death of a child that just happens and, um, you know, the parents mourn and they heal and then they kind of go on with their life that can't really point to like an end result that says like, okay, this child died uh, at two days old and then cancer was cured as a result of it. So yeah. there seems to be this, this unconnecting uh, uh, evil that's out in the world that just has no end, end result and end point to it. Well, in fact, the free will defense, uh, you know, libertarian free will says that there may or may not be a purpose for anything. It's not even looking at right. looking for a purpose for anything. It's just saying we have to have free will, right? right? The, the value is the free will, not whatever good that comes from whatever happens, right? right? And right. so anything might happen uh, because we have free will, and so any kind of evil could happen, and there's no purpose, no rhyme or reason for it. The only reason it happened is because we have free will and we chose to do that. Right. Right. And so is that what we really want? Right. right? And that's that's opposite of what Christensen wants because he has a, a two-pronged need, which one of them is there's no such thing as gratuitous evil. There, the, the evil that exists in the world has to be tied to a good. We might not know what that is, especially now, but it, it has to happen. And then um, the other um, uh, avenue is that um, that it, it has to be the good has to be worth it. Right. So right. And, and libertarian things. free will. The only good that choices are tie, uh, tied to is the good of free will. Right. Not the good of whatever else might happen as a result of their choices, right? The good that they're trying to preserve here is free will, right. and that's it. So, you know, people could act grossly, and as long as free will is preserved, we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so uh, Chris goes on and continues and says, what prevents God from striking down the rapist before or during his vile act or keeping him from repeating it? Every theodicist has the burden of addressing uh, William Rose challenged the idea that none of these instances of gratuitous suffering 
could have been prevented by an omnipotent being without loss of greater good seems to be an extraordinary, absurd idea quite beyond our belief, is what, mm. what, um, what Roe says here. Right. So for the free will theist, res, uh, resorting to God's desire to retain the libertarian freedom of evil perpetrators becomes kind of an obvious problem. Right. So again, the, uh, the, the, the reform side has, has the, the issue to deal with too. So uh, you're saying that God decrees this uh, rape from happening for uh, an ultimate purpose. Reform side says yes, but the free will side says no. But then why did it take place, and why didn't God stop it? Yeah, yeah. So the, 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 yeah. The, it's a it's a an issue that both sides have have to uh, exactly. account for. Right. And so he, he tells us that uh, Michael Peterson, for instance, simply you know dismisses <laughs> the problem. Right. He argues that we should accept gratuitous evil on the face of it. If evil seems senseless, then it probably is. Right? <laughs> Elsewhere, uh, he explains uh, that uh, the kind of freedom which is basic to the accomplishment of great and noble actions is the kind of freedom which allows, notice, the most atrocious acts to happen. Right? Wow. Uh, so, no, so what Christensen points out here is preserving libertarian free will uh, is it worth the price of such horrendous evil? Yeah. Right. Well, we. Uh, yes, this is horrendous evil. Yes, it's it's ugly. Yes, w- nobody would want this to happen, but we preserve free will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, I mean, so so the the parents come come to the pastor and and they say, you know, our our child was taken away too too soon. Why why did God allow this to happen? So the pastor turns to them and just says. Well, God cared about everyone's free will enough to to make sure that this happened, <laughs> wow. or, or, or that that it, uh, He allowed it to happen because He couldn't violate the free will. Right. Or is kind of the reform perspective of God has a purpose for this. It might not be within our our knowledge in, in this life, but we can be confident that because of who God is, His character, His nature, His decrees, what's revealed in Scripture is. Uh, will make sense of this, and so it, it's the ability to, to to come out and, and trust him. And it's hard, it's difficult, but is it? Did it happen for no reason, or did it happen for a reason? Yeah. When you're you're taking the person on the deathbed, and you're, you're you know you know what did my life matter at, at all? Well, your ma- life mattered to God. Right. Why? Or it didn't well, because at all. he preserved your free will. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So right. the, 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 these do have implications in the greater confines of 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 just pastorship and and living our lives. It's something that's important to think about because both sides offer uh, an important uh, outcome. And, right. And right. so we have to make sure that we have the correct one. And again, what is our grounding? What is our grounding for that knowledge? Is it? Because we have a philosophical idea that we reason up to God, and so we change God's character, or is it revealed in Scripture, it's grounded there, and we reason down from what are the implications to that? Yeah, so exactly. And so and this is the point that uh, Christensen is trying to make, right? Uh, do we really want the price of uh, these horrendous evil, and just because... You know, God wants us to have free will, right? The supposed good that libertarians secure for all of these horrendous acts, he says it doesn't seem weighty enough to justify the terrible evils that, uh, you know, that it risks generating, right? right? Horrendous evils present three possible scenarios for free will 
Prometheus model of divine providence. First two uh, scenarios seem to kind of hamstring God here. Mm. Mm. First, he sits in heaven, wringing his hands in utter dismay, lamenting, oh, just how I wish I could do something to stop this horrific atrocity. But yet, free will is an intrinsic feature (laughs) of my gift to humanity, and I am powerless to stop its exercise. In this case, God could not prevent evil. Yeah. Wow. What a situation, yeah. Mark. Thanks, God. Yeah. Thanks for helping out. Yeah. Or secondly, he says, God says, sorry, my dear unfortunate victims of senseless violence, right? The only way I could have stopped this from happening would be to violate the greater good of human freedom that I've given to the perpetrators of this violence. And of course, I, I can't do that, right? So in this case, God could prevent evil, but he simply chooses not to, right? Right. <laughs> right. And, and uh, you know, when, when you have these um, discussions uh, among Arminian and Calvinists and uh, free will advocates and open theists, you know, you always have to pick the, the most gut-wrenching, earth-shattering <laughs> scenarios, you know, rape of children That's and, right. and cannibalism. That's right. You, you really got to hand it home. And so, you know, uh, here we can just do the same thing with how God responds, right? Here's here's the, the implication of it. You know, or, you know, maybe we look at something like the death of the, the only innocent person who's ever been tried illegally, tried uh, uh, and, and, and uh, completely free of any guilt of any sin, the God man, Jesus Christ. Maybe if we focus on the implications of that, we can get away from these just gut wrenching scenarios and, and look at something that, that we can kind of. Uh, pitch our tent towards of, of really needing an ultimate explanation of, of why and how did this happen within either free creatures or within a uh, compatibilist viewpoint. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just, if, if you're going to see it online, you're always going to see these like gut wrenching <laughs> scenarios. And it's just like, do we really have to resort <laughs> to that? Yeah, And yes, we, we do have to deal with those as well, but maybe we can soften the approach a little bit and not take so much, uh, uh, you know, um, emotional dismay from from people and talk about the death of the perfect god man jesus christ who didn't need to but freely gave himself but i, I like emotional dismay <laughs> i mean you know as philosophers we're always going to appeal back to hitler and the holocaust so and so I, I i get it and it's, it's hard not to talk about the worst case scenario like you know oh eating pineapple on pizza or something like that you know <laughs> so yes <laughs> But some free will theists, uh, classical Arminianism, acknowledge a third scenario here. Okay, the third one. Okay, good. We have a third one. They agree that God could and does intervene in many cases of horrendous evil. Okay. All right. So Armenian Roger Olson states, uh, occasionally, occasionally, God suspends free will with a dramatic intervention that virtually forces a person to decide or act in some way. But in general, God steps back and allows human beings a limited range of choices Nonetheless, God obviously does not intervene in many cases. So you could take the right or the left uh, uh, path, uh, but ultimately it's going to fork back into getting you to work, which will then allow you to, to uh, go and pick up your children in time and they don't have an awful accident. And so it didn't really kind of matter which way you chose. God just lets you have that that um, that's that spacer for the bowling ball to, yeah. to, to waggle between <laughs> before you eventually hit the pins. Right. But this reality is unfortunately compounded by the fact that Arminianism holds to God's exhaustive foreknowledge. He knows precisely every evil choice that every person will make and does nothing to stop it. It is hard to see how he does not become an accessory to evil 
on that count. Right. So if he knows that this is going to result in evil and he can stop it and does on occasion, then why doesn't he stop it on every occasion? Yeah. Right. Well, he violates free will. Well, yeah, you, uh, uh, Olson has just said uh, sometimes he does (laughs) violate free will. Then why doesn't he violate free will all the time? So that's the issue. He needs to pick on one person, (laughs) uh, Jill. Jill needs to have all the evil thrust under her Mm -hmm. so that, or or maybe Jesus. Maybe Jesus can be our one person that every bad thing, you know, he steps on the rake, it hits him in his face. He (laughs) uh, trips over himself tying his shoe. He gets a paper cut every time he opens the scrolls. Whatever it might be, every bad thing <laughs> happens to, to Jesus, and he takes all our sins upon us there. We have the ability to make good free choices. You know, why, you know, we have a range of free choices. We're still free. We're free to make a plethora of, of free choices. There. That, <laughs> I've just presented God, the Armenian God, the, the, the better world. Mm, mm. In such accounts, God is like the policeman who passively stands by watching a thug steal a feeble old woman's purse or uh, knocks her down or or, uh, kills her. And when asked why he didn't intervene, he says, I don't want to violate his free will. But the woman's free will was violated by him. So he didn't preserve the free will of one person because of a free will of another person. So why not restrain the thugs? And so every time someone tries to do something bad to somebody... You're preserving that the, the 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 potential victim's free will, but you're violating the bad guy. That, right, that seems right. uh, we would o- be okay with that. In fact, that's how we kind of order society. We want those policemen to stop bad people's, <laughs> you know, free will from happening. That's why we detain people and we exercise a suspension of their liberty and we put them in jail. Th- those are all uh, limitations on someone's free will because of decisions they make. Yeah, right. So notice in each of these positions, um, uh, you know, they face the same intractable intractable, uh, problem, he tells us, where God stands by watching innumerable gratuitous acts of evil unfold while doing nothing about it, right? Uh, He says, but we can imagine God standing by idly while the powerful and evil, for instance, Hutus systematically slaughter the Tutsis in the Rwanda genocide. Can we imagine that? Not at all, unless there is some notice greater good intended, right, for God that he's designed to happen here. But, of course, the free will theist can't appeal to a greater good yeah. because it's that's not the reason why these things happen. The reason why is because we have God has chosen to give us free will, not that there will be a greater good out of it. So notice what he's doing here. He's saying they're kind of stuck. It once you, you know, saddle on yourself this libertarian free will as your answer and your only answer, then it rules out certain other defenses. Yeah. And uh, we can never say, well, because there's going to be good coming out of it. Well, then now you're. It's more than just free will that that uh, these evil uh, things are happening. Yeah. And of course, that's what he wants to say, right? That it, that. Uh, yes, we have, at least to a certain extent, that might be the case, but there may be good coming out of it. Yeah. Right? That's what he wants to say. And, of course, the libertarian free will theists can't say that if they're relying only on free will as their defense. Right, right. Because God could reach over and 51% oh, sorry, <laughs> I violated uh, a majority of people's uh, free will, and so I've got to shut it down. Right at the 49%. Shut it down. <laughs> so other problems remain. Oh, boy. 
uh, we have already seen that God routinely intervenes, either stopping or preventing evil from happening. Right? I, I, look at the the penultimate, uh, the the the, the, the I, a full idea of Scripture. I mean, uh, the, the plagues, God is intervening. Yeah, parting the Red Sea, God is intervening. Yeah, in, in a yeah. in a in a drastic way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, uh, saying that Cyrus will come and liberate uh, the the oppressed people of. Um, of the Babylonians, of, of the Jewish people of the Babylonians, and then take themselves in captivity, and then God's going to judge Cyrus for his evil actions as yeah. well. But He's going to return the people to the land. How can He say that? Yeah, those are Cyrus is a free creature, a, a free creature in the future. He doesn't know <laughs> that his, uh, Cyrus's great 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 grandparents are going to get together, unless he violates their free will in some fashion to make sure that they get together. So he is his decree of hey. Isaiah, write down Cyrus so that when Cyrus reads this, you can see the little tube that has been discovered that has the, the decree of let the, the, the Jewish people go back to the to the land and build the wall. How can he make that decree? How does prophecy happen within this? Right, so right. I, I may be getting a little 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 more here, but uh, but you know we're sticking gratuitous free will. I'm, I'm trying to do that. So there are just other issues here. <laughs> so so. Uh, um, we have already seen that God routinely intervenes, either stopping or preventing evil from happening, nonetheless allowing all sorts of other evils to persist. This means that God stands inescapably behind evil that free will theists otherwise consider senseless, contributing to no real good whatsoever. Free will theism debases the fullness of God's omnipotence as well as his omnibenevolence, his all-knowing and his all-goodness. A theodicy having any worth whatsoever can never in any case compromise the perfections of God's attributes. This is Kind of anathema. Right. So if you so if your theolis, theodis, or your um, theology, right. and even your theodicy, uh, where you're attempting to defend a, defend a particular position, ends up violating you know God's perfect attributes like His all powerful, right, omnipotence, or His omnibenevolence is all good. If it violates those. Something's wrong with your theodicy, right. with your theology, right? And and you have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, it seems right? to violate this kind of design, divine simplicity where all the characters of God work together and and not be opposed to each other. And so this this seems to be uh, stripping away certain aspects or certain qualities that we see in Scripture and we have come to know through Orthodox Christianity and it seems to to change the entire nature of God, God so that yeah. he's out of balance. Yeah, good. So libertarian free will figures prominently in most Christian uh, responses to evil, right? This particular defense is prominent, right, when people attempt to deal with the problem of evil. And he says that this is unfortunate because it shifts our focus away from Scripture's testimony of God's glorious character— and ends up compromising it, that is God's character, yeah. in favor of preserving an all-consuming good of the gemstone we call free will. Right? <laughs> preserving this sort of creaturely freedom as a solution to the problem of evil is unashamedly, he says, man-centered, not God-centered, right? Free will becomes a convenient escape hatch of the value of the valuable good that uh, it uh, you know, so many think it turns out to be is really an illusion, he says, forfeiting all of its trumpeted, um, upped explanatory power, right? So free will isn't as good, he's trying to say, this particular defense 
as those who defend it seem to think it is, right? Right. It demeans God. It's man-centered. It makes us, you know, kind of in control of situations, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're waiting for the, well, you, are you just saying that we're all robots that have n- zero choice whatsoever <laughs> and all this stuff? That chapter is coming. So, so <laughs> just right. be yeah. just a little Hang patient. On. We're, we're, right. we're, we're only human. We're trying to get, we've freely gone through this we chapter. We exist in time. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. There are people way smarter than us that have written many, many books. And so uh, we'll, we'll, if, if you need to jump ahead, jump ahead. But uh, uh, we're going at the pace that the author has uh, described here. Uh, we're, we're confined. We're restrained. To the book. That's right. Because, <laughs> <laughs> <'cause>, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we beat up on free will enough. Let's move on to the natural law defense. No one can have an issue with the natural law defense, right? right? right. Well, the free will defense is often coupled with this so these natural go law together, defense. Right? So yeah. there, there, is there an issue then with natural law? Right. While the free will defense seeks to resolve the question about moral evil, the natural law defense seeks to resolve questions about natural evil. Those unfortunate sources of suffering that stem from how the laws of nature work in this world. Uh, plagues, uh, floods, uh, uh, meteorites, uh, striking the earth, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, uh, uh, hard work. That, that's, that's gotta be one. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, 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 uh birth pains, uh, right. ch- yeah. birthing children, the, yeah. the natural evil, right? Yeah. Putting these two defenses together is supposed to be a great advantage uh, that other defenses and theodicies don't All have. Right. So we put these together and we win, right? right? That's, that's the deal, right? He, he quotes, uh, Greg, uh, Weltley here. Uh, Weltley explains first, they don't involve any, in any way God's intending that evil comes to pass. All right. So that's a good thing, right? God is exempt. He's not culpable. Much less the idea that evils are required means uh, to any goods that God intends to come to pass, right? They're not required, and therefore, you know, again, God's not uh, the author. Rather, the evils of the world are the unintended byproducts of God's aiming to provide us these two great goods, right? The good of free choice and the good of having, notice, a stable environment in which to exercise that free choice. So we have free choice. Yay, free will. That's why evil happens, moral evil. And we need a stable environment in order to exercise our free will. And so the laws of nature and how they worked, that's, you know, this, that's why uh, we have those, right? And so these two kind of, kind of go together, right? We have these natural laws that allows for a stable environment, A stable environment is needed for our free will to, you know, make its various choices. So we win. Yeah. So, so (laughs) even if Adam didn't sin, we would still have floods, fires, plagues, pestilence, disease, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. Yeah. Because that's how we exercise our free will. Well, and and it's, it's just how the world exists so that we have consistency. It's, it's, yeah. The natural law defense states that God created the world with a natural order that cannot be violated just because, right. all willy-nilly. Yeah. Operating one way at a moment and a different way at another, which, you know, we've talked about that type of scenario in, in other books. You know, um, how do we know that the sun will rise tomorrow? Well, because it rose the day before and the day after, or the, the, the day before that and the day before that. And if it didn't, we would cease to exist. So, you know, it, it must. <laughs> Why must it? Yeah. Why, if I drop a pencil, does the pencil go down to the earth? Well, because it always has, and I've not been given sufficient reason to believe why it isn't. 
Okay, so blind faith. So we're just taking it. <laughs> well, no, I have good reason before that. Okay, well, but you don't really know. Well, I have like good reasons to believe that it will do, won't do opposite. Okay, but we don't know that it will happen. So okay. So uh, the the natural order isn't just violated just because operating one way at one moment and different at another. If our actions are to have reliability, that includes predictable consequences then we need a stable, predictable environment in which those actions take place. Drop the pencil. It will always go down towards the earth. If it ever goes up, miracle. Right. <laughs> Maybe. If our choices lacked predictability, they would spawn unwanted and unnecessary fear. Only when universal, regular, predictable, repeatable laws of nature govern the results of our actions can we have confidence in making the choices we do. Right. The internal combustion engine, for what it is right now, will continue to fire, propel us forward in our vehicles. LA traffic will continue to be at a slow more, <laughs> And then, boom, all of a sudden, n- n- uh, natural law defense uh, isn't uh, in play, and s- suddenly uh, the things are blowing up or not blowing up. That's, cars that's the are reason. floating, yeah. whatever. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, things are turning into, you know, it's uh, the uh, Douglas Adams, the, the, the <laughs> ship that... Um, propels itself by generating itself into random events. So it's a potted <laughs> plant. It's a, it's a whale. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a, a floating each, head. Yeah. Each, yeah. each thing. Yeah. <laughs> so notice he says that the natural law defense has some merit, but it's, limitations and other problems rule it out as a comprehensive explanation of natural evil. Does the structure of the laws governing the natural world provide a necessary or sufficient explanation for the pain and suffering that often results from them? Right. Are they, you know, they cause pain and suffering. Are they, you know, are they, uh, are they good enough for that? Right. Some natural law theodicy says can't envision, envision a world in which natural laws exist without risking ill effects along with the good. Really? Yeah. Really? Well, what will we have to say about that? <laughs> there isn't a world that, that, you, that you don't have natural laws and all of these things, problems and happens. Really? Yeah. So how would you answer that? God, God, sorry, God, you, you, you can't do what you want. <laughs> or, or the Bible describes two other worlds with perfectly stable uh, environments in which no pain or suffering results from laws that govern those worlds. The uh, pre-lapsarian, the pre-fall state of Eden, and the new heaven and the new earth. So there are worlds where these things, yeah. Not one, and two. two. Got, yeah. <laughs> you, you wanted one. Guess what? We're doubling it up. We're making it two. We just need to kill the king of the world in order to, to do that and then believe in him. Okay. High price, but you know what? For nineteen ninety five, two 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 installments, it's it's yours. You get free fall state and a new heaven, new earth. And these things go away. But how? We, yeah. we need that stable environment. Yeah. We need free choice within that. We need to be able to do evil within the new heavens and new earth. How the laws in those two worlds differ from the present world may be hard, if not impossible, to discern. But that does not rule out their existence. It is simply enough to know that before the fall, Adam enjoyed a painless world with no interruption of the laws that governed it. The same is true for the future world. If not, what are we what are we hoping for? What are we looking forward to? What is God changing? What is he ruling over? What what is what is sin? I mean, all, all these things are 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 the formation of why. God must send Jesus, why he must be God, why he must be man, why um, the Old Testament has to be what it was, the, the, the call of, of the, the Israelite nation to, 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 to have the garden and recreate it, to go out into the world and spread the good news. It, 
you know, what's the point of it if it's just going to continue on? Yeah. What, what, yeah. what are we facing here? Thus, the present structure of the laws of nature that produce both good and ill effects is by no means a necessary state of affairs. It's just not within the nature of nature to have badness to it in order for it to be stable. Right. God could have easily structured those laws with pain-free Edenistic bliss. And yeah. He did it and he will do it again. <laughs> yeah. Or God wasn't able to do it and he lied to us about what Eden is. Or we just completely don't understand what the new heavens and new earth is going to yeah. be like. Right. But it seems to be uh, cemented in scripture of either believing God is going to recreate it in that pain-free environment or uh, he's not and he's just... We're, we're, we're going to continue yeah. the way we are, right? Well, pain doesn't really mean pain here <laughs> or something. <laughs> so Christensen tells us that uh, some Armenians think that the natu- that natural evil is a problem for the Calvinist doctrine of divine providence, Ooh. right? God is, you know, uh, providentially taking care of the whole world, and then there's natural evil. Wow, that's a problem. So God has caused the evil, right? Uh-huh. But he says uh, nothing about the Arminian view of divine providence says that God is unable to intervene in natural disasters or di- disease in order to prevent, stop, or minimize suffering. So, you know, the Armenians say that we have free will. All right, then why that doesn't mean that, you know, the— Nature has free will, yeah. right? So God could stop those types of sufferings from happening, right? After all, hurricanes and cancer cells and all that, they don't have libertarian freedom, right? So God has has no freedom to violate, uh, you know, those things, right? Uh, that's a problem, right? Yeah. No, Pompeii had to explode. It, it just had to. It was the normal course of events for the world, and God couldn't do anything to intervene those people just had to die because God didn't want to violate the earth's free will in that capacity <laughs> yeah. or their free will to, to come us under. Right. <laughs> so that's a problem for the free will. Maybe a little problem. Yeah. Defense. It constrains God there. In, summer, in summarizing the free will and natural law defenses, they represent theodicies promoting general goods. God sets up a structured universe in which the principles of free will and natural laws govern the world. In this scenario, God does not specifically or directly intend evil to take place. Okay, good. It is an unfortunate byproduct of these general goods. Okay, so you you kind of alleviate a, a concern there. In this kind of universe, God does not plan any particular evil to occur or for any particular pain to result. Is that good? It's not planned. It's outside of God. It's yeah. just it just happens. Yeah. Or because he, we he, have free will and the the world, the universe has natural laws. Yeah. So God doesn't specifically plan things, but right? they just kind of happen. Yeah. Rather, it is the value of such an environment and the value of the goods that could arise in such an environment which God intends. Moral and natural evils are in the world due to general policies God pursues, rather than because of particular choices he has made which ensures their occurrence. Yeah. Which which world do we want? <laughs> because it seems like you do have to make a, a decision either way, and both of them have implications. Do we have a grounding for one rather than the other, or is it just? I don't want to say wishful thinking because I I don't want to I don't want to devalue Arminianism or the you know the the other side too much. But it seems like there's. I think big, he's already done big, that. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm just the reader of the book, yeah. <laughs> but it seems like th- there are drastic implications for for both sides, and that. 
Christensen's going to have to explain his side as well. Oh, yeah. That's why I said, you know, a few <laughs> instances ago, a few, yeah. you know. Uh, it's easy to break down. Yeah, yeah, he's got the, some The natural order is, is to chaos yeah. and destruction. <laughs> Building up is the hard part. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, so you have these environmental, uh, you know, environmentally uh, stable laws and you have free will and yet you have all of this uh, evil you know, and so one wonders, Christensen tells us, whether there's any benefit here, general or otherwise. If this is the universe that we live in, then God is hamstrung by evil in order to arrive at any possible good. It also means that many evils occur for no good reason at all, right? They are, as Christensen has been trying to tell us here, gratuitous, yeah. right? They just they just happen because... That's just the nature of things, we might say, right? He says, it's easy to see how many uh, uh, scoff at the power and goodness of such a God. Uh, how are these and other divine attributes faithfully held, he asks, right, let alone magnified. They render God as significantly, notice, less robust than the picture that Scripture paints, right? So if indeed this is all that we have, that is not what Scripture is saying with regard to the kind of God that exists, yeah. right? God seems to be the, the the mother chasing the toddler, who's, you know, the the, the house isn't baby proofed, and so it's climbing <laughs> up. And no, I'm I'm putting the the child here. Oh no, he's running towards the stairs. I've got to grab him and yeah. put him in the crib. Oh, he's got something in his mouth. Uh, got to take it out. So it seems like God is reacting to the libertarian free creature who seems to have a a, a more um, free um, uh, stronger will, um, uh, a character that that constrains God rather than the creature, or the creature being restrained by who God is. Mm-hmm. So, seems to be a, a difficult position. Yes, we we, we achieve all these things that we kind of like. Free will, yeah. Who wouldn't be against, Who would be against that? Yeah, right? yeah. yeah and, I'm for and, it. And and, yeah. and there are reasons to, to to believe that, and we can point to certain aspects. Of, Orderly of world, yeah. Go right. I I want to know that you know that car coming toward me isn't going to all of a sudden. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. yeah. But it, it seems to sacrifice things that we have taken for granted in the orthodoxy of Christianity that's revealed and grounded in scripture. Right. And so Christensen tells us there must be a better way. Yeah. And so he's going to begin to pursue that in the next chapter. Right. Right. Four episodes to cover one chapter. <laughs> you can't say you're not getting your money's worth. We, we've given you four and there's more reading again, right. key terms, a study questions, further readings, advanced readings, including, uh, and uh, I mean, he even has Plantica in here, so he would disagree with Plantica, but in certain aspects he would also, uh, he disagrees with him in, in, in the free will defense, but in certain ones, I, I think he he um, would respect him for the warrant belief and, and things like that. So yeah. um, problem of pain, C.S. Lewis, uh, not a Calvinist by any means, but um, here is further reading, and of course, and, and by all means, it, it it should be included in here. If he didn't, I would. What about free will by Scott Christensen? Mm-hmm. Is also a good one as uh, to, to pick up as well. And uh, we talked the last time of Guillaume Beyond uh, uh, excusing sinners and blaming God and James Anderson. How biblical is Molinism 
for for more. And again, read the other side to figure out which one seems best. And again, we've been talking about this for at least 500 years. You know, Molina uh, threw th- a wrench in our, our Reformation and and uh, and tried to preserve the the Jesuit conspiracy. That's uh, it's always the Jesuits in movies, right? <laughs> they're, they're always they're always the bad guys or the secret good guys that that come out at the end. Um, and so, you know, this one chapter isn't the knockdown drag out, but there are implications for our ideas of who we are, for who God is, for how the world works, that informs our theodicy, our our explanation for why evil exists. And right. so that's what we're talking about in uh, Scott Christian's book, What About Evil? A Defense of God's Sovereign Glory. So hopefully next time you'll join us and we'll continue on with chapter six. See you next time.